You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melkier. Thanks for listening. Second to last Monday. Each week it gets uh, bigger and bigger. Uh, so this is about as big as it gets. Uh, so I'm going to break down some of the uh, more important news in terms of your lineups. Uh, Aaron Judge, should you start him? Shouldn't you? We do have uh, a big, big Aaron Judge update. Also, Neraldus Chapman update. Mookie Betts uh, gave us a bit of a scare on Sunday, having to leave early. I've got the uh, latest update on him, whole bunch of other players. And, um, you know, last maybe week or two, I've been going a little bit light on the uh, standout performance reviews because, you know, it's, uh, you know, last few weeks here. And we, we sort of, you know, not sort of, we know who players are at this point. And there are some, you know, late surgers and late uh, slumpers we need to, to pay attention to. But, I would say on Sunday in particular, it seemed like there were a number of really interesting performances that are, are giving me maybe a little bit of uh, second thought. So we'll uh, certainly go over those. Uh, have a couple of Twitter questions to go over. Uh, and finally, uh, and I, you know, I hate doing this before the season is over, but you know, there was uh, that buck coming. Uh, I don't like talking about looking ahead to the next year. Until the se- until the regular season's over, at least, because it's just to me that is taking away from all of us who are still playing for something. And frankly, unless you're in a league with playoffs where there's elimination, you know, I, I think there's there's always something to play for in these last couple of weeks. You know, even if it's just moving up the standings, even if it's just one spot uh, to just follow it through. And uh, it's not not just a pride thing too, but I just I find it to be good practice for the leagues where, uh, you know, the present or the future, where things are going a little bit better. Uh, so that said, I don't really like to look ahead, but uh, Justin Mason, who's done so much great uh, work in the industry in the last couple of years, uh, this year put together the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which has been an awesome experience. Uh, he's put together these two early mocks, and so I'm participating in one of them, and already... There's some really interesting results. So uh, in my particular two early mock, we are uh, almost through the fifth round. So, you know, there's 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 a bit to dig into there. So, like I said, even though I try to avoid this kind of analysis uh, during the season, I'm going to do it. Do spend a little bit of time, a few minutes <laughs> towards the end of the show today, uh, uh, looking ahead to 2019. So, uh, anyways, uh, no Matt Modica today. Hopefully, uh, we can get him back on the show uh, next week. So, just me for today. Uh, and, uh, well, just us. And here we go. Uh, let's start with that uh, bunch of Yankees news that I've got for you, starting with Aaron Judge, of course. So, Aaron Judge may be ready to bat. Of course, he was activated a few days ago. May be ready to actually appear as a hitter in the Red Sox series that starts on Tuesday. Uh, this is according to Aaron Boone. Uh, I told uh, Sweeney Murdy of, uh, of WFAN 
that uh, he is still holding out Judge being a hitter at some point in this Red Sox series as a possibility, uh, but doesn't have exact plans. Uh, but he also told Sweeney Murdy that he thinks that Judge could get somewhere between 30 and 40 at-bats between now and the end of the season. So my read on this is is such, um, and this is obviously uh, contingent upon not getting any further updates before we have to uh, set lineups. And, of course, uh, we've got the 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time uh, first pitch uh, for this Monday. So uh, if you get to this uh, podcast early enough, uh, you know, you may have a chance to, to see if there's anything further uh, that Aaron Boone has to say about Aaron Judge's situation. But as it stands right now, that 30 to 40 at bats sounds like that might be good enough to start Judge next week, but definitely not good enough for this week. So you've got the uncertainty of what date is Judge actually going to return. So that's sort of a red flag number one. You've got the uncertainty of how healthy is Judge still. And I have yet to really see a report where you know he says he's at a hundred percent, and then you've got this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here a bit, but basically a forty at bat maximum that Aaron Boone is thinking that Aaron Judge has the rest of season. So that means if he's playing, you know, all of next week, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be playing every day this week, this week. So that leaves him possibly a little bit light on playing time. Um, and now if he's really late on playing time this week, maybe that means he's, he's heavier next week. But that's you know, that's next Monday's problem. <laughs> but as of right now, I don't feel really good about starting Aaron Judge. And I do have him in tout wars. And it would be really tempting to start him. And probably the alternative for me would be Nick Williams, who's no longer playing every day for the Phillies. So there is a bit of a dilemma there. Nick Williams also not having a great month of September. So there, for me, in that situation, in a 15-team mixed league like the Tout Wars uh, Mixed Auction League, it's not that much of a trade-off. But I would say, as of right now, I'm actually probably leaning more towards Nick Williams. So that that hopefully gives you an idea of where I see the risk in starting Aaron Judge. That you know, maybe sort of a toss-up with a Nick Williams type who may may only play three or four games this week and is not swinging a, a particularly hot bat. So. You know, I would recommend against starting Aaron Judge uh, in most formats this week. Now, other Yankees news, uh, Araldus Chapman could be back also for that uh, Red Sox series. He threw a bullpen session on Saturday. All reports out of that bullpen session were positive. Uh, the Yankees do want him to toss a sim game. That could happen as soon as today. Today is Monday. Again, if you're uh, listening a little bit later on the podcast here. Uh, so... As opposed to Judge, you know, where I think that is probably not a move that's going to pay off for most owners. It sounds like Chapman's really close to coming back, maybe back even as soon as Tuesday, or you know, I would think maybe even a worse in a lesser uh, case scenario, a worst case scenario. I think you're still looking to Chapman being back Wednesday or Thursday. And again, depending on what your options are for saves, if you've got two or three closers that you're really happy with. You probably don't need to take the risk of uh, starting Raldis Chapman this week, but if it's a deepish league where you know your alternative is trying to pick up Adam Conley or uh, Ty Buttry, uh, you might as well roll with Raldis Chapman. That's my thinking there.
And one more piece of Yankees news here. Justice Sheffield is going to be promoted. Uh, He's supposed to join the team for that uh, Red Sox series on Tuesday. He will pitch out of the bullpen, and he's basically auditioning for a postseason role. So I don't expect him to really have a fantasy impact, uh, but you know we'll see. We'll see how that, that plays out the next couple of weeks. All right, on to Mookie Betts, staying with that same series there, Yankees-Red Sox. Uh, a big scare on Sunday. Betts had to leave the game early, was diagnosed with left-side soreness, and as many uh, beat writers and analysts pointed out, uh, Betts had spent time on the DL earlier this season, with an abdominal strain on that left side. Uh, but according to the Boston Globe, uh, Betts is expected to be back in the Red Sox lineup for Tuesday's series opener and uh, be DHing at least on the uh, on the outset. So good news for, uh, for Mookie Betts owners. Definitely sounds like you can uh, go ahead and use him this week. Uh, you certainly want to check back and just make sure there's no setback or update but sounds like Mookie Betts should be fine for this week. Uh, moving on to some other teams and some other series here. Edwin Encarnacion uh, back on Saturday sustained a mild rank, uh, right ankle sprain. He did not play on Sunday, but then again, almost none of the Indians regulars played on Sunday. Uh, they'd clinched the division. Uh, talk a bit more about that game a little bit later on, but... Uh, Encarnacion being out of the lineup on Sunday is not necessarily uh, a bad sign. On the other hand, from a fantasy perspective, I would try to avoid Encarnacion this week because even if that ankle sprain is really mild, uh, the Indians can afford to sit the regulars. So I would not expect Encarnacion to play every day this week. Um, so at least check out your, your alternatives. Uh, Massive Bumgarner is expected to start on Friday at the Cardinals. He did leave his start on Saturday after six early. is six innings a little bit prematurely uh, due to a right side injury. Bumgarner says it is minor. Uh, however, I would lean uh, towards avoiding him if at all possible. Just uh, because Friday's a ways away. And uh, it just, you know. It's crunch time. Uh, depending on your situation, I guess again, if it's if you're playing catch up, maybe you can uh, play it a little loose and fast and start bump garner and hope for the best. But I'd say if you've got a a lead to protect or you're really close, uh, I think you go the safe route and you don't take tra- chances that you know we get an update on Wednesday or Thursday of uh, bump garner might not be ready for the start. He's going to be pushed back, so. I, that that would be my approach with Mass Bumgarner. Tyler Skaggs, who's been out with a groin injury uh, through a bullpen session this weekend, and he is expected to start for the Angels on Wednesday, according to the Southern California News Group. Michael Fulmer could be done for the season. He left his uh, last start early with a knee injury. He was scheduled to have an MRI, uh, actually is scheduled to have an MRI on Monday. And uh, according to the Detroit News uh, Fulmer probably not going to pitch again this season. We already know Trevor Bauer is um, done for the regular season for the Indians, but uh, Indians president Chris Antonetti told MLB Network Radio that it's possible that Trevor Bauer could pitch out of the bullpen for the Indians. So not nothing fantasy relevant there, but something that you know, any baseball fan would want to know, so I'm passing that along in case you hadn't heard it already. Uh, Jose Arrhenia, who's uh, 
been pitching pretty well lately. He exited his start on Sunday against the Phillies uh, early due to a right hand cramp. Uh, it was uh, deemed, uh, according to the team, as a precautionary uh, early departure. So, uh, you know, maybe a similar situation with Bumgarner. And certainly the stakes lower because I don't think very many owners outside of deeper leagues are really counting on Jose Arrhenia to help them this week. But if you're in that kind of situation, I would definitely lead towards your alternatives just to make sure. Uh, Marlon's not playing for anything. No reason to uh, push it if Arrhenia is not healing as quickly as, uh, uh, I mean, it's a cramp, so I can't imagine that he wouldn't make the next start, but no reason to, to take a chance there. Uh, some interesting uh, situation, there's uh, an, an, an interesting situation with the Cubs uh, and their catchers. Uh, it's just been a, a rough, rough season for Wilson Contreras and made it rougher uh, this weekend when he thought he had hit a home run, stood at the plate, flipped his bat, admired the shot, and then uh, watch it land on the near side of the wall. And he had to basically sprint to get a double. Uh, and he is not, I mean, not just because of that, but uh, he has not been starting as much as Victor Caratini lately at catcher. And in fact, Caratini has started four games in a row. Three of those have been a catcher. So definitely not a week that you want to start Wilson Contreras. I mean, maybe this is just, you know, temporarily in the doghouse. I would think that Joe Madden would want to get him a few more reps before the postseason. But I would avoid uh, I would avoid Wilson Contreras this week if possible. That said, I also saw in some of my leagues some owners going after Victor Caratini, and even though in a couple of leagues I had a need for catching reinforce, reinforcements, uh, I uh, favored Spencer Keebum. I um, who else did I put bids on? Oh, uh, Kurt Suzuki was available in a twelve-team league. Got him in that league. So I'm just not again. I'm not sure how stable the situation is with Contreras and Caratini. So I'm basically avoiding both of them. Uh, Jason Hayward, sticking with some Cubs news here, uh, was activated. He had been on the DL with a hamstring injury. He'll be uh, most likely eased back in, so don't look for too much help from him. And an interesting piece in The Athletic uh, that came out early on Monday uh, from uh, Rob Biertemfell uh, saying that the Pirates pretty much already have their 2019 infield uh, figured out so as i start off the show with a big long soliloquy about how i don't like looking ahead to next year until this year's over uh well i'm uh making another exception here because i thought it was an interesting piece uh so it looks like uh, no surprise josh bell is expected to be the starting first baseman next year adam frazier that's very interesting uh apparently has the the lead in uh being the starting second baseman Colin Moran, who was, this, he was kind of the key figure in the story, for now would figure to be the starting third baseman. And the recently recalled Kevin Newman uh, would be in the lead to be the team's uh, shortstop next year with Jordy, uh, Jordy Mercer uh, becoming a free agent. Uh, but uh, in the piece, Beertonfell said that Moran uh, may not be the, the starter for long. Brian Hayes, uh, who's had a nice year this year in double-A, uh, he could supplant Moran soon. And the team really was looking for more power from Colin Moran. And where this kind of circles back and becomes fantasy relevant for this year, I liked Moran as a sleeper this year because he did finish up last year in the minors with some really good power that I thought might carry over, and it, it really just didn't. So looks like he could be on a pretty short leash 
uh, going into next year, you know, really having to prove that he uh, he could be a starter again next season. So I'll uh, finish up uh, news items with that forward-looking bit. And uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the weather for your uh, daily lineups here. Uh, there is some rain in uh, the eastern part of the country, the northeast, uh, looking like, uh, you know, probably uh, remnants from uh, from Hurricane and Tropical Storm Florence. Uh, so Pirates hosting the Royals, 64% chance of precipitation uh, for first pitch there. And looks like pretty good chance of precipitation throughout the evening in Pittsburgh. So that's one that uh, does not look very good uh, for uh, for today. Uh, again, that's uh, Royals and Pittsburgh. And, you know, again, when you have a uh, potential rain out, uh, that, that, you know, on a Monday, that can really affect uh, your plans maybe for, uh, for two-star pitchers. And that's really unfortunate because probably my two favorite two-star pitchers for this week were the two starting in this game, Brad Keller and Joe Musgrove. So uh, definitely keep a close eye on that one. That one not only has a potential impact uh, for your daily lineup on Monday, but maybe even in, in terms of uh, getting two starts uh, from uh, from each of those pitchers. Uh, now the Royals do have a seven-game schedule this week, but they do also have, they're going with a six-man rotation. So Keller's not totally in the clear uh, for that one. And meanwhile, the Pirates do have Thursday off. So... Both of those starters, those two start weeks, could maybe be endangered. Uh, we've also uh, moving over to Baltimore. Orioles hosting the Blue Jays. 44% chance of precipitation for uh, first pitch there at Camden Yards. And uh, not abating, really, throughout the evening there. So that one looks a little bit tricky. And uh, that those are the two big ones. A little bit of rain expected in Philadelphia, but doesn't look like anything that should uh, be a, a, a literal game changer in that one, but that's Zach Wheeler and Jake Garrietta. Uh, but particularly with with Wheeler, you're just rolling with him no matter what this week. So uh, yeah, I think the big one there to watch is Royals and Pirates, and I'm certainly keeping my fingers crossed that there's uh, not a major uh, weather impact uh, for that one. Okay, well, uh, like I mentioned before, I did get a couple of uh, questions on Twitter. And in fact, I'm just going to check one more time to make sure I'm not missing anybody. I did not. Uh, so just got these two questions. One from uh, at Bloodstream 100. Do I trust David Price in New York this week or do I go with Rich Hill against the Padres? Uh, you know, that's an interesting question because, again, this is, um, you know, how much do you weight the matchups? You know, does the matchup override? Uh, which I think is otherwise pretty much what should be a clear preference for David Price. And for me, David Price is not somebody, you know, beyond the top 20, 25 starters. That's when I really start to weigh in uh, matchups. And Rich Hill, you know, is somebody that I would like to start most weeks. But if this is my choice between these two, I am going to still roll with with David Price against the Yankees. I just think he's, Capable of putting up a great start against uh, against any team. Uh, Rich Hill should be fine against the Padres, but I, I do trust, uh, and I know this seems a little odd to say because Price has certainly had ups and downs this year, but I do trust Price's consistency more than I trust Rich Hill's. So matchups notwithstanding, yes, I want David Price over Rich Hill. So uh, thank you for the question. 
And then uh, our other question here from at LLJ Mac. Uh, it's the last week. Uh, so sounds like either championship week or just last week in a, a, a Roto League. And the question here is, would I drop Will Myers, Sterling Marte, or Jose Martinez to pick up Scott Shebler or Jeff McNeil? And by this, this mirrors another question I got. So this is sort of a, a two for one. Um, but I would make that swap of Martinez for McNeil. And I'm very grateful, by the way, that the other uh, fancy owner who asked me almost an identical question reminded me that Jose Martinez only started, I think it was three games last week, Missed, did, didn't start uh, even close to every game. So in a vacuum, I would certainly take Martinez over McNeil, but he's too much of a playing time risk right now. McNeil is not much of a playing time risk, and uh, he's hitting well. I don't love the underlying batted ball peripherals for McNeil, but I will take him and the more certain playing time over uh, Martinez. That said, uh, I would stick with Myers and Marte, uh, even though I do like Shebler. So anyways, hope that is helpful. And um, let's uh, take a look at some of Sunday's performances, which hopefully some of these will help you maybe make some, uh, some lineup decisions for this week. And certainly the most eye-popping of the pitching performances was one of the last ones on Sunday. The Sunday night game, uh, Dodgers and Cardinals. And actually, I'll talk about both of the starters from that game. But Adam Wainwright, wow. Second game back in the in the Cardinals rotation. The last one, the first one, was not that impressive. Uh, gave up four runs and in five innings against the Pirates. But this time, Wainwright threw six innings, did not give up a run, only two hits, three walks, but nine big strikeouts against the Dodgers. And he got 29 called strikes, also got 12 swings and misses, and that alone would be sort of a a nice, encouraging sign for Wainwright. But 29 called strikes, which is pretty, pretty darn impressive. 14 of those came on as curveball. So clearly the, the, the curveball was working. Um, I, I want to give Wainwright credit here because you just you, you don't do that against any team unless uh, your pitches are really on. But if there were any team where I would look at, at that number of called strikes and not be 100% completely impressed, it would be against the Dodgers because the Dodgers by far are the most selective team. So they're the most... Uh, reluctant team to swing at pitches that are out of the zone, which is great. But they also do get frozen a lot on pitches in the zone. So I think it's a combination of just Wainwright having good stuff, but also against an opponent that is very uh, conservative in in terms of uh, their selectivity and, and, and when they swing. So I don't, you know, that in combination with the fact that Wainwright's previous start wasn't that good makes me pretty reluctant to start him. However, he does get the Giants this coming weekend on Saturday. It's not at AT&T Park, which if it were at AT&T Park, I think, you know, I'd say, yeah, let's let's just roll the dice and see if he can be about as good as he was uh, against, uh, against the Dodgers. But... Um, yeah, that uh, start is going to be at, uh, at Bush Stadium, which is also a pretty nice venue. Uh, and I, I just think that the Giants are, are a good enough matchup that at least you consider that. But I think you are talking 
I'd say at the shallowest of 15 team mixed league. Because uh, I just, you know, it, it's such an important time of the season to make that much of one start against an opponent that is sort of biased towards not swinging the bat. Um, that's a little bit too much of a risk in, in most formats, in my opinion. I also would be a little bit reluctant to go with Ross Stripling. Uh, I will actually start him in Tell Wars, but it's just because I picked him up and the rules of the league are that when you pick up somebody uh, on Fab, you have to start him that week. And fortunately, he's got the Padres. So I'm not too worried about it, but if you have an option, again, outside of a deeper format to take a pass on Ross Stripling, I think I would just because he was on a pitch count uh, on Sunday night against the Cardinals. He was going pretty well for about three innings. Did give up a, a solo homer to Marcelo Zuna, but that that unto itself is not anything to worry about. Uh, he, he only lasted three and a third innings. He got up to 72 pitches in the fourth inning. So uh, he had to get yanked. But uh, three and a third innings, uh, gave up three runs, but two of those came in the fourth inning on four hits, no walks, five strikeouts. So really, other than the three runs and three and a third, it's not a bad line at all for Ross Stripling, but what it's it's the pitch count and what happened in the fourth inning. He gave up three singles, but they were hard hit balls, and two of those singles were off of sliders, and his slider velocity dropped a couple of notches, a couple miles per hour in the fourth inning when he gave up those hits. So I, for me, it's just there's there's a little bit of a durability uh, issue here for, for stripling. Um, I just worry that either he's going to be left in too long against the Padres and have a bad inning, or he's not going to be left in long enough to really make an impact. So now if I had the choice to bench him this week, I probably would, but it would be a borderline call because again, given what your options are in a typical 15 team mixed league, I don't wouldn't necessarily have anybody better to turn to. So again, that's kind of where I see the toss up, the dividing line occurring with uh, with Ross Stripling. Now, if you've got Mike Miner and you've got him left over from this two start week, and he's been on a really nice run lately, even with one start, I think you got to I think you got to use Mike Miner this week. He went six and a third against the Padres at Petco Park, so. Uh, you know, you've, you've got the matchup at the venue going in his favor. Uh, gave up two runs at six and a third, four hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. But what I really like about, really two things I really like about Miner. In fact, I'll, add, I'll toss in a third. I'll give you three reasons. Uh, one of them I know I've mentioned several times in the past week or two. Miner's getting more swings and misses now. So when he started with this run of sec- several weeks of being a much better pitcher than he was earlier in the year, was still allowing a lot of contact. I was very skeptical. But over the last few weeks, that has changed. So he's he's into uh, double-digit whiff rate territory. That's very encouraging to see. He's also getting a lot of chases on bad pitches. That's always very encouraging to see. And in the second half, no qualified starting pitcher has allowed soft contact at a higher rate than Mike Miner. In fact, he's out in front by a good margin. He has a 28% soft contact rate in the second half. Now, any rate that's in the 20s, even like 20%, 21%, 22%, that's very good. He is at 28% in the second half. And he's got the Mariners this weekend. 
uh, who at this point, I don't think I, I joked about this with Nick Pollock on last Monday's show. We couldn't decide if the Mariners were a good uh, matchup or not. I don't think they're a real tough matchup at this point. So some of that too has to do with the fact that, you know, they've got the, the flu that's growing around there, but um, yeah, I, I, I feel really great about Mike Miner uh, at home, by the way, against the Mariners. I feel even better about it if um if that game were in Seattle or that game were in Seattle. But uh even so, I like Mike Minder this week with one start. Trevor Williams did it again, six scoreless innings at Milwaukee. That is the sixth time since the All-Star break that Trevor Williams has made a start of six innings or more without giving up an earned run. That is remarkable. Uh, and this time he got some some strikeouts uh, to back it up. Now, it, this was against the Brewers. So, again, take the matchup into account a little bit. But six scoreless innings, two hits, two walks, seven strikeouts at Milwaukee. Um, he's got some good signs as well. I don't I, – I would rather start Mike Miner than Trevor Williams. But it's I don't think this is 100% completely a fluke here. Now, while his uh, soft contact rate is not particularly high – I think it's around like 17%, which is normal-ish, maybe even slightly low. Uh, Trevor Williams has a hard contact rate in the second half of 28%, which is very, very low. Um, so while he's not inducing the softest kinds of contact, he's avoiding the hardest kinds. So I think that's helping him. And like Mike Miner, he's getting a lot of chases on bad pitches. I think those things are probably interrelated. Not very good contact being made on not very good pitches. So there is a little something to what Trevor Williams is doing here, but some of it just does look fluky. I'm, I'm not completely buying into it. Uh, Williams does get the Brewers again uh, this week on Saturday, to be uh, exact about it. And this time it's at home, so he's got a good venue. So I'm, I'm not wild about Williams as a one-star pitcher, but I think he's he's in the discussion, particularly if you're talking about 14-15 team mixed leagues. And going a little bit deeper, probably quite a bit deeper, uh, but somebody who's really, I've barely talked about this season, been off my radar, been off a lot of people's radar, I think, is Francisco Liriano. And now he faced that Indians lineup on Sunday where he had Josh Donaldson and basically a bunch of bench players. And so he did do well, but you absolutely have to factor in the matchup here uh, against the Indians. Seven innings, three runs uh, on five hits with two walks and seven strikeouts. Uh, but there there are some reasons to pay a little bit of attention to what Lariano is doing and maybe make him kind of a wait-and-see scout team kind of guy uh, for going into the final week in some deeper leagues. Uh, he's got the Royals on Friday, so maybe that's a start that you watch and you pay attention to. His last three starts, including Sunday's start at Cleveland, uh, Lariano has been throwing a lot fewer sliders than he normally does. He's given up a total of 14 earned runs over 18 innings. He's walked seven, which for him is not that bad. It's not great, but it's not that bad. And he has struck out 19. And the strikeouts really haven't been there for Liriano the last couple of seasons. Also has not given up a home run. So very few extra base hits, no home runs, more than a strikeout per inning, a decent walk rate, um, 63% ground ball rate, by the way, uh, which factors into that lack of extra base hits that he's allowing. And then so he's got the the Royals this Friday, and then he would line up to make his final start of the season next week 
at Minnesota. So maybe in your 15-team mix league or a little bit deeper than that, uh, wherever Liriano's available in a deeper format, see what happens this Friday against the Royals. Sort of intriguing that he's gotten much better results with a little bit of tweaking of his arsenal here in the last couple of weeks. Okay, uh, and finally, Jake Junis, who I've talked about a lot and talked about him a lot, especially coming into this week. Not a very good start to end up his uh, two-start week. Uh, only lasted three innings, gave up four runs, three homers, and that's what really worries me. Uh, I shouldn't say really worries me, but it's why I'm talking about him. Because if Jake Junis just had a, a start that wasn't very good, I'd say he's been so consistent for a couple of months now. Uh, don't worry about the one start. But he has given up five home runs in his last two starts. But even including that previous start where he gave up a couple of home runs, over his 10 previous starts, so excluding the three-homer game against the Twins on Sunday, his 10 most recent starts before that, a total of five home runs allowed in 60 and a third innings. So this has been Junis' season where he's had a, a span of starts where he's given up so many home runs, Followed by a span of starts where he's been very stingy with home runs and then giving up home runs and then not. So I worry maybe just a little bit that I I worry that now he's back to giving up a lot of home runs. Uh, I I would lead towards trusting Junis because, again, except for this most recent start against the Twins, he's just the the strikeout to walk ratio has been so good and that he's been so good at avoiding the home run that I think it's an overreaction to say, oh, here he is back again to giving up too many home runs. He's got the Tigers uh, at Comerica Park. It's a good matchup. Um, you know, in a shallow league, I'd think twice, but in most formats, I think I'd be good with with going with the one-start Jake Junis. All right, just a few hitters to take a look at. In fact, they're all from the same game. Orioles, White Sox, Daniel Palka with the two-homer game. He has been red, red hot in September. Uh, he's up to 24 homers on the season. Uh, this month so far, a 297 average, a 381 on base percentage. So even if you don't buy the batting average, and you should buy it a little bit because he's hitting for power and he's cut back on the strikeouts. Uh, but even if you don't, believe the 997 average over slightly over two weeks the 381 on base percentage he is walking a lot lately and he's got a 703 slugging for the month so good player to uh to stream in if you can uh on a, on a nice hot streak there and the power's legit he's been at the top of the stack cast leaderboards all season long in terms of uh, exit velocity so uh the power's real as long as he's making contact and he's doing more of that lately and sort of an interesting contrast with a couple of Orioles hitters who ha- who both had big games in that same game against the White Sox on Sunday. Jonathan VR with a three-hit game. He is now, as an Oriole, hitting 280 with eight home runs and 12 steals. And right away, Buck Showalter said he was giving Jonathan VR the green light. I talked about it on the show because I was a bit stunned because Showalter is notorious for not being aggressive with the running game, but he has stuck to his word with VR. Again, with with 12 steals in uh, a little more than a month's playing time uh, for for VR. So, and and VR, you know, showing power. And again, hit 280. Uh, So, I have streamed him this week in a uh, 12-team head-to-head points league where uh, it's playoffs, so the stakes are big. And I I feel good about uh, riding the hot hand of Jonathan VR. 
But also in that same game on Sunday, Cedric Mullins went four for five. His batting average is now up to 276. But this is really interesting. And I just, I don't get this. So if you're listening and I don't know if it's maybe just a batting order thing or what, but if you feel like you have a, an explanation or, or you, you, you read something about this, know something about this, I'm just curious. Cedric Mullins has one stolen base. <laughs> one stolen base. And he is among the leaders in, sprint, in average sprint speed. And to show that that is actually, that, that speed is having an impact. And I just mentioned Mullins is batting 276. He has 32 hits so far. 11 of those, more than one out of every three hits for Cedric Mullins is an infield hit. That is bizarre because even the leaders in the major leagues for infield hits, D. Gordon and Gene Segura, who are tied for the lead and are in the lead by a lot, neither of them is getting an infield hit out of uh, one out of every three hits. D. Gordon, at least, is sort of close to that, but that's a very extreme ratio. Uh, so Cedric Mullins, just to, to, to get to the point here, Cedric Mullins is fast. He's really fast, and he has one stolen base. So I don't get it. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of reason to go after uh, Cedric Mullins uh, unless he's a batting average upgrade for you uh, in a deeper league. But uh, just interesting. Very interesting. I'd love to hear from you if you if you have an explanation as to why Mullins is not getting uh, stolen base chances. So, all right. Uh, I'm going to wind up here looking ahead to 2019. And as I mentioned at the, the top of the podcast, uh, I am now uh, almost five full rounds into one of Justin Mason's two early mock drafts. Uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. we got a ways to go. We're drafted 28 rounds. Uh, Mike Trout was number one overall, followed by Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, Max Scherzer, number four. That surprised me a little bit, uh, but certainly if he had fallen to me by the seventh overall pick, uh, I certainly would have considered taking him. Lindor went fifth overall, Arenado sixth, and then with the seventh pick, I took J.D. Martinez. And I was really uh, struggling between whether or not to take him or Paul Goldschmidt, and then Goldschmidt got taken right behind me at number eight overall. Uh, also interesting to note that Bryce Harper went to Paul Sporer at number 11 and Mike Tanner at number 12 took took Alex Bregman. So, uh, you know, with the great season he's had, I'm not surprised to see Alex Bregman go in the first round of a mock, an early mock. Uh, I imagine we'll see a lot of that as we get towards real mock drafts. Uh, Trevor Story went with the last pick in the second round, 24th overall. And Javier Baez, right, one pick right before him. Uh, so in terms of looking at some players who have surged in terms of their value this year. And then right after Baez and Story, Blake Snell. So of all the early picks, that's the one I've got a little bit of a of a, of a qualm with. Um, so he was the sixth starting pitcher taken uh, overall after Scherzer, Sale, Kluber, DeGrom, and Kershaw. That one through five makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Snell at number six, I'm not so sure. And then the seventh uh, starting pitcher taken overall is Trevor Bauer. But I think I actually would probably, I don't know. I should I shouldn't say so. I'm going to look into this, and then the, the second the season ends, I'm going to dig into this Bauer uh, versus Snell thing. Uh, but just some of the early research that I've done on Snell, I'm a little bit skeptical that uh, he should go ahead of like Verlander or Nola. But uh 
I'll dig into that more later, especially after I've, I've really taken a closer look. Uh, the other things I want to mention, uh, Juan Soto went in the third round. Uh, Ronald Acuna went uh, actually very early in the second round. Third pick of the second round, Ronald Acuna. Juan Soto in the middle of the third round. I took Patrick Corbin uh, in the middle of the fourth round with uh, Zach Greinke, Masson Bumgarner, James Paxton, uh, all uh, all still on the board. Uh, I really, in fact, uh, yeah, no, uh, no Syndergaard actually went just before him. So I feel good. About, I feel really good about that pick. I'm a big believer in Patrick Corbin. I imagine he's somebody I will talk a lot about during the offseason. Uh, but I did a poll, and here's where I'm going to wind things up uh, for the show today, is to go over uh, the results of a Twitter poll uh, that I did. And the question was, uh, well, I put, uh, just took Patrick Corbin as my SP1 in the 2019 uh, too early mock, 42nd overall. Would you be comfortable with Corbin as your ace in a 12-team mixed league? And granted, I waited a little bit long, uh, fourth round to get my first pitcher. But I was, I have to admit, I'm very surprised at these results. I thought it would be kind of close with maybe more people being uncomfortable with Corbin as an ace than comfortable. I didn't expect 83% of people who voted in the poll to say, no, they are not comfortable with Patrick Corbin as their SP1 in a 12-teamer. 83% said no, 70, 17% said yes. So now I've got my work cut out for me with more than four out of five people. If this poll is representative, maybe it's not. Uh, but with four out of five people thinking that Corbin's not a fancy ace going into next year, I got my work cut out to make the case uh, this coming off season. So uh, anyways, I uh, do appreciate uh, folks uh, making uh, making the case there. Uh against Patrick Corbin, so I know what my work is. Anyways, uh, I thank you for uh, tuning in. I wish you the best of luck this week, whether it's playoffs or uh, Roto League or whatever it is you're you're, uh, trying to uh, maximize your your finish in. Best of luck to you. Have fun watching baseball. And uh, I will be back on Wednesday. So look forward to that show then. Till then, everybody, please take care.